Welcome to the Knox Presbyterian Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're here. We hope this resource is a blessing to you. Let's jump in. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. My name is David Bruner. I'm one of the pastors here. If you don't know me, it's a joy to be with you this morning. Uh, It's good to be back. I spent this past week with uh, one of our mission partners in Sisseton, South Dakota. It's a location that's well known to many of you. It was my first time there, and I'm pleased to report that we had a great time. Uh, It was a wonderful experience. Um, We did VBS for a group of kids from that area. And as you may know, one of the things you do when you do VBS is you play games with little kids. And we played games outside, and uh, we played water games. And uh, I got wet a lot. Um, There was one little girl, about seven or eight years old, I'd never met her before, but she kind of latched on to me. And so we played water games on Wednesday, and I got soaked by her. And as we were leaving uh, for the day, I said, goodbye, I'll see you tomorrow. And she looked at me with dead eyes and she said, tomorrow will be worse (laughs) for you. So it was a good week. Um, Before I read our scripture for today, let's pray together. Good and gracious God, our Father in heaven, Open our hearts in this time to the message of your word. Open our hearts and our minds by the power of your spirit. Help us to hear your word, to understand your word, to apply its message to our lives and live it out. We ask this in the name of Jesus, who is the word made flesh. Amen. Our scripture for today comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 41. Listen to me in silence, O coastlands. Let the peoples renew their strength. Let them approach, then let them speak. Let us together draw near for judgment. Who has roused a victor from the east, summoned him to his service? He delivers up nations to him and tramples kings underfoot. He makes them like dust with his sword, like driven stubble with his bow. He pursues them and passes on safely, scarcely touching the path with his feet. Who has performed and done this, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, am first and will be with the last. The coastlands have seen and are afraid. The ends of the earth tremble. They have drawn near and come. Each one helps the other, saying to one another, take courage. The artisan encourages the goldsmith, and the one who smooths with the hammer encourages the one who strikes the anvil, saying of the soldering, it is good. And they fasten it with nails so that it cannot be moved. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend. You whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, 
for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. Yes, all who are incensed against you shall be ashamed and disgraced. Those who strive against you shall be as nothing and shall perish. You shall seek those who contend with you, but you will not find them. Those who war against you shall be as nothing at all. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, do not fear. I will help you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, happy 4th of July weekend to you all. I don't know about you, but when I look at our country today in 2023, I am struck by the many deep problems we face as a nation. Problems that go beyond an individual or a few people, but affect all of us, our common life together. Stop for a minute and just think about everything we've gone through as a country in the last five years. Just five years. Let's see. We've had the pandemic. A terrible pandemic that caused the death of over one million Americans, including many of the poorest and most vulnerable. It seems now possibly, maybe, to be receding. Thank the Lord. Of course, in our household, it wasn't receding all that much recently, but we seem to have gotten over it. Thank God it's mostly in the rearview mirror. We've had a rise in political extremism. First, there were the Charlottesville rallies. Then we had the January 6th attacks and all the efforts to subvert the 2020 election. During the last year or two, we caught a bit of a break from the, the discourse around that. Uh, I hate to break it to you, it now seems like it's all gonna come back as the 2024 election draws near. We're gonna be talking about that for a while. We've had a nationwide reckoning with race and racism, particularly with regard to policing and its relationship to larger patterns of systematic racism in our society. I was thinking to myself, how long ago was George Floyd and all the associated um, drama with that? It was only three years ago. <laughs> it felt to me like it was much longer ago because of everything that's been going on. No, it was practically yesterday. We've had an epidemic of gun violence that manifests itself in incredibly painful mass shootings. Highland Park, Uvalde, Stoneman Douglas, as I was getting ready to preach this sermon this morning, news broke that there had been another mass shooting event in Baltimore, Maryland. This is not an exhaustive list. If I were a television producer and the United States of America was a TV show and the director came to me and said, right, in season two, here are all the subjects we're gonna tackle, <laughs> I would say, whoa, 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 slow down. Save some material for later on. You're gonna overwhelm your audience. I mention all this for two reasons. 
The first is simply to acknowledge that we as Americans are dealing with a lot. These issues are with us and they're not going away. And second, we as the church have an obligation to be salt and light in the words of the Gospel of Matthew, to help be a positive influence on the world that we live in. And these issues pose the question of how best to do that. In light of these many problems, what are we supposed to do as Christians? I wanna start by telling you three things I think we shouldn't do. Three things I think we shouldn't do. We should not despair. We should not despair. Um, sometimes in the face of the many problems we see in our society, it's tempting to despair, to assume that those problems and others like them cannot be resolved, that they cannot be improved, that we're simply stuck with the way things are now. I don't think that's helpful. We should not check out. It's not gonna help to stick our heads in the sand to pretend that these problems and others like them aren't real, to assume that someone else is gonna take care of them, to think, well, they don't affect me that much, so why should I get all bothered about them? Sometimes, of course, there's a churchy version of this that encourages us to focus solely on Jesus and our assurance of going to heaven when we die and ignore the problems raging in the world around us. And we should not give in to anger and resentment. There's plenty to be upset about in American public life today. And a little bit of anger can be a good thing, can be a good motivator to help us to take action. But too much anger is spiritually corrosive. It harms the soul. It makes us see social issues not as problems to be solved, but as battles to be won. And it makes us see those on the other side as enemies rather than fellow citizens. Later on in this service, we're gonna sing a beautiful old gospel hymn, Precious Lord, Take My Hand. Raise your hand if you know that song. Many of us do, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful message for any time of the year but it has special resonance for me around July 4th because of its relationship to a great American, Dr. Martin Luther King. I have to admit, for, for better or for worse, I'm not particularly sentimental about being an American. But one thing that does make me feel deeply patriotic, proud of my country, is Dr. King and his ministry. Precious Lord, Take My Hand was Dr. King's favorite hymn. It was sung all the time in the black church that nourished his faith. It was sung at rallies and at meetings in the civil rights movement. And when he was tragically murdered, gospel singer Mahalia Jackson sang it at his funeral. And when we sing it, as we all do, as we will do today, we ought to be reminded of him his vision, his values, and his deeply patriotic drive to make America a better place. And in the face of the many challenges facing us as Americans, Dr. King shows us a better alternative than giving up, checking out, or getting angry.
He shows us a more Christian alternative than those things. His alternative is hope. His alternative is hope. That word hope usually means something like optimism or belief that things will get better. That's not exactly what I mean. I would define it this way. Hope is faith in Jesus put into action around issues of social justice. Hope is faith in Jesus put into action around issues of social justice. Hope is based not on a general belief that things will get better, but on the specifically Christian belief that despite the many problems we see around us, God has not abandoned the world he has created. And God will empower us to play a role in helping to make it better. Hope represents a powerful alternative to giving up, checking out, or getting angry. And it's deeply scriptural. It's deeply scriptural. Our reading for today is from the book of Isaiah, which was written during a time of incredible turmoil for the people of Israel. As some of you know, Isaiah spans the events in which Israel was militarily invaded and defeated by the empire of Babylon. And many of their best and brightest were dragged off to exile in a foreign land, hundreds of miles away from their homes and families. The temptation to despair was real for them, to assume their problems couldn't be solved. And it is into this situation of turmoil and pain that Isaiah speaks his prophetic word. God is still sovereign. God is still on the throne. God is the God of the whole world, at work everywhere, even directing the fortunes of pagan nations like Babylon. And in God's wisdom, Isaiah says, there will be a victor from the east. Did you catch that in the reading? The bit about the victor from the east? That's talking about the nation of Persia from the east of Babylon that's going to come along, gobble up Babylon, and set Israel free. Isaiah says something quite striking in the midst of all this. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Israel. I am holding your right hand. I am with you. I believe that's a message we need to hear in 2023. Do not be afraid. That's the Bible's message of hope. And there's evidence for the Bible's message of hope all over the place. Think for a second about the persistent existence of God's chosen people, the Jews. The Bible is filled with ethnic and religious groups that no longer exist, that no longer wander the face of the earth. There are no Amalekites or Hittites or Jebusites any longer. But there are Jews. The sheer fact of their existence today despite all the prejudice 
and all the persecution over thousands of years is a sign of God's power to bring light into the darkest situations. That's one reason for hope. We can find hope not only in the existence of the Jewish people, but in the history of the Christian church. Think for a second about the many, many difficult and apparently hopeless situations the church has encountered during the 2,000 years of its history. The church has survived oppression at the hands of a variety of terrible nations and institutions. The Roman Empire, apartheid South Africa, Nazi Germany. The church has outlasted dictators from Idi Amin to Saddam Hussein. And it's survived anti-Christian movements like social Darwinism, Russian communism, and materialisms of every stripe and shade. There's a wonderful saying, I forget who said it. Someone said, the church always buries its undertakers. The church always buries its undertakers. Someone comes along and says, oh, well, the church belongs to the past. 50 years from now, there's not even gonna be a church. (laughs) And 50 years later, the church is still there. In my days in my PhD program, I went to school with a lovely young woman who was from Hong Kong in the People's Republic of China. And as you know, uh, China is a hard place to be a Christian. And she was a wonderful person because she was filled with this hope. She said, if I had to bet on the continued existence of the PRC or the continued existence of the Christian church, I know where I'd put my money. And she's right. The church always buries its undertakers. We see the power of hope, not just in the history of the church, but in the life and ministry of Dr. King and his enormous impact on our country In 2023, with the benefit of hindsight, the civil rights movement seems inevitable, unstoppable, a fact of history. But in 1950, if you'd said, oh, I dream of a day when African-Americans all over the South will be able to vote and segregation will be abolished, people would have looked at you like you were crazy. Black people throughout the South were disenfranchised unable to vote, subject to poll taxes and literacy tests and threats and intimidations if they wanted to. Segregation was the law of the land in the South, and we should not forget a very deeply rooted custom right here in the Chicago area. Lynching was commonplace. Then, as now, many, many people wanted to ignore those problems or minimize them or say they could never be solved. And what strikes me about the work of Dr. King and his colleagues in the movement is their sheer audacity, their boldness, a boldness deeply rooted in their Christian faith. They believed that not only could their country be changed for the better, but that it didn't have to be changed at the point of a gun. That love and persistence were more powerful than hate and violence. And what seemed impossible in 1950 became a reality by 1980. If they can have hope in their situation, 
Who are we to abandon hope in ours? Friends, America faces a lot of problems today. And I don't have all the answers. But I know two things. First, none of those problems are going to get better without hope. Without putting our faith in Jesus to work around issues of social justice. And second, none of those issues is going to get better unless we put our faith in Jesus to work together as a team. Just as each of those problems I talked about affects all of us, they can only be solved by all of us working together. As real as our problems are, as complex and as daunting as the issues we face are, we have to cling to the hope that God has given us, a hope that we can really be salt and light. We can help this country be more like what God wants it to be. Some of you have heard of the famous African-American poet Langston Hughes. In 1935, he wrote a beautiful poem about our country. It's called Let America Be America Again. It's too long to quote in its entirety, but some of the closing passages go like this. Oh, let America be America again, the land that never has been yet and yet must be, a land where every man is free, the land that's mine, the poor man's, Indians, Negroes, me, who made America, whose sweat and blood whose faith and pain, whose hand at the foundry, whose plow in the rain must bring back our mighty dream again. Oh yes, I say it plain, America never was America to me. And yet I swear this oath, America will be. Friends, America may not yet be what God wants it to be, but by God's grace, it will be. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information on how to get connected, please visit our website at knoxprez.org. That is K-N-O-X-P-R-E-S dot org. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Podcast, or Spotify.